0: Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me again today. It's a great day in the neighborhood, and we're glad that you're listening. And if you listened yesterday, you know that I have Ben and Kelly Shuler. Uh, they're currently residing in Vancouver, Washington. Ben is the uh, chief of staff at the Church of God uh, movement and also has been in charge of missions over the years there and we talked a lot about the various missions yesterday in the world today i want to concentrate a little more on some time that they spent in babadi tanzania and it's a place that's certainly interesting and we're going to get some insight from them And so, Ben and Kelly, welcome again. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. And uh, Kelly, I didn't talk to you a whole lot yesterday. And I think because you just soon hear Ben, but I want to hear you uh, a little bit here. So, now you guys moved uh, at that point. Did you have kids when you moved to? No. You did not. And so you're there. You're going to a third world country that literally. I understand, has wild animals, like, all around. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'd have it's, hyenas outside our gates at night, and uh, we kept uh, guard dogs with us and had a high fence wall, and it was just good to be proactive in security there. Yeah.
2: Did
0: you ever pet a hyena? Uh,
2: no, no, did not pet one, no. Yeah,
0: and no King Crow brothers. You didn't pet any of those? No, no.
2: had a few snakes, but yeah. uh, it wasn't. What was enough.
0: the toughest first month for you? How was it that very first month being in that country? <sighs>
2: Uh, The first month wasn't bad because it was all new and exciting and adventure. But I remember the first time uh, we had been traveling on the road, visiting ministry outposts and different churches and leaders. And we came back uh, to the mission house and uh, it was late at night and Ben was hungry. He's like, I just want to eat something. I'm like, well, there's no grocery store to go shopping at. There's nothing. Uh, Quick, It's all homemade stuff. And he goes, well, just make me a quick sandwich. And I was like, there's no bread. That will be like a two and a half hour process, you know? All right, well, how about just a salad? Throw a salad together. (laughs) I'm like, well, then I have to go get everything out of the garden and then bleach it and then rinse it. with," And uh, it just... I just start crying because I'm like, there's nothing easy in life here. Um, Even our water, we had to either boil it or run it through uh, these big filters. And one night in the middle of the night, I got up. I was so thirsty. I went to pour a cup of water out of the filter and it was empty. And I'm like, I have to make water. I just want something easy. So um, there were definitely those hard times. But once we got life... Figured out and a rhythm, and it just all seemed easy. And I remember guests coming out and taking pictures of certain things or asking about. And I'm like, "This is just how life is. It's okay." So God provided and brought peace. Just took a little transition, and
0: we forget the convenience we have in the United States. Yes, I yes. mean, and everything is right I, there.
2: When we moved back with our oldest son, Noah, I remember we ran through Burgerville one time and uh, ordered the meal, and I forgot the water, so we get up to the window. I said, oh, can we have some water? And she, Oh, sure, handed it to us. And Noah was five, and he goes, mom, isn't it wonderful in this country? Anywhere you go, you can have water and drink it. Just drink it anywhere. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, man. it is such a blessing.
0: Well, that that was quite a place, uh, Ben, that you went and did, of course, a lot of work with the people, but a lot of work physically on the plant. And you had some interesting stories dealing with hunting, too. I mean, and t- tell us a little bit about how the how the yeah. hunting goes there.
1: Well, we uh, we lived, you know, an hour and a half from a paved road. We live in a pretty remote area, and there was no stores to buy, you know, refrigerated meat or something like that. You know, you had the market where animals were, meat was hanging out, but it wasn't really a butchered in a sanitary way that that we would want and uh, flies on it. And so, I, as a resident, had access to be able to do hunting for overpopulated animals, animals that they needed to reduce the population for the environment around. And so uh, we provided all of our meat uh, through hunting. And what kind of animals would those be? Well, just your general Plains game animals, Impala and wildebeest and um, uh, gazelle, warthogs, if we could get them. Those made really good breakfast hams and uh, things like that. Uh, So that's mostly what we got. And one day I was talking to a young pastor. He knew I just got back from a hunting trip, and he's asking me questions about hunting. And I was filling him in on what we hunted. And then he said, well, I, I used to hunt as a young boy in our village. And uh, I said, really? He said, we used to hunt. What'd you hunt? He said, well, we used to hunt Buffalo. And, uh, boy, the African buffalo is this huge, really intimidating animal. And especially when they're wounded, they're very, very dangerous to hunt. And I said, wow, what kind of gun did you use? He says, no, we we used a spear to hunt these animals. And I thought, wow, I want to hear more about this. (laughs) And so – yeah, uh, he started to tell me how in the morning he grew up in this remote area. He's an Mbugwe tribe and grew up in the village of Magugu. And as in the morning, they would very early they would get up and and the men would gather together. And it wasn't just the older men or younger or the warrior age men. It was it was all of them. Uh, and they go out collectively. And what would happen is the the elder men would lead the way because they had the experience and maturity to be able to follow the tracks, know exactly where the herd was. And after they would spend time, sometimes days, finding where the herd was, Um, they would get organized. And the young boys that were the fleetest of foot, the fastest ones, they would run straight at the herd of buffalo and try to entice one of the bulls to come out and chase them. And after they had got one bull to chase one of the young boys, they would run as fast as they could towards a line of the warrior age men that would stand single file, maybe six or eight of them, 50 paces apart or so and what would happen is that young boy would run straight to the first warrior uh, that was in line and Uh, And after the bull uh, saw that first warrior, he would lose a focus of the young boy and he would focus on that warrior and run straight at him. And just before he would run into that warrior, he would dip his head and close its eyes. And the warrior knew this. And so he stood fast until this happened. And at the last second, he jumped to the side, would thrust his spear into the side of the buffalo and then fall flat on the ground deep in the grass and the buffalo would raise its head and just see the next warrior that was in line mm-hmm. and forget about the one that speared him and run towards him. And that warrior would do the same thing. And they would do it over and over until maybe the fifth or sixth person. And then that buffalo would, would die and they were able to provide meat for their whole village. And I was, I was so moved by this story and what, what instantly hit me was that what a great example of unity Mm-hmm. Where, you know, that el- the elder men in that group could not have done that. They don't have the speed to pull the buffaloes out anymore, and they maybe don't have the strength to th- th- thrust the spear in. Um, but the young boys also don't have the experience to be able to track him, define where they are, or that strength, and, and vice versa. So what it is is they all need each other. Uh, to be able to do that. And and I think there's some correlations in the body of Christ where none of us are as good as all of us. And if we can come together uh, in a united ma- uh, body, going in a common direction, uh, the impact that we can have from that is so
0: much greater than any of us could have on our own. Oh, I agree. And even in the Treasure Valley here, we are doing what we call a harvest uh, crusade may one two and three and uh and i'm telling you something we there we have 150 churches so far that say they're gonna be a part of that we are doing everything i've been fortunate to be on the steering committee and and i hope everybody listening will make sure they invite a non-christian friend uh, to the first, second, and third of May, because at the taco Bell old Taco Bell arena extra mile arena it's going to be an incredible time you'll be hearing me uh, talk a lot about that in fact, I will be interviewing Greg Lowry on this radio show uh, down the line too, and it's going to be. Pretty sensational, but that's exactly what he's talking about, a unity. We believe that we, the church is all those who believe in Jesus Christ. Together, we need to bind together to win our world. We have so few people, even in the Treasure Valley, according to statistics, that are churched. And so few people that are really... Following the path laid out by the Word of God, and man, we want to respond to that and be a part of that and be a difference maker in that. So that's neat. How are the people? How were the people in Tanzania in receiving God's Word?
1: <laughs> that that I mean, they were there was a lot of reception, and the church has grown very very fast there. Even just when you look at the Church of God, and they have a group called the Christian Council of Tanzania, where it's in. Uh, Um, a group of churches that all are working together in a a common direction to, and their end goal is to just increase the number of personal relationships with Jesus Christ. And I I think that is just such a great end goal. There's so many conduits and venues and ways that you can get to that, whether it's a development project or evangelism crusade, but that end goal has got to be increasing the number of personal relationships with Jesus. And they're very open to that. Some of the hardest thing was getting them to drop some of their Um, indigenous uh, spiritual practices they always wanted to practice syncretism and kind of blend those together and uh, it was something that we couldn't just command them to stop but something that we'd encourage them to fade away that it was not the priority that jesus was the priority and the true way and not these other practices and so that came through time and relationship
0: with them and you'd go out to the villages i understand and and pretty uh pretty really really third country out there huh well a lot of yeah dirt floor uh, grass roof villages uh
1: huts and we'd stay in those and and uh we were able to drive to most of them a couple of them we had to ride a ferry and walk there but for the most part we could drive to most of them but uh, all dirt road and you had to be pretty good at four-wheel drive and learn how to use your winch and uh you had to create a you had to have a lot more margin in your life to deal with all the unexpected things that that came up and it was a really good practice, and one honestly that even as we've moved back to the States, uh, we failed to maintain that margin in a, in a lot of ways and something we're all striving to get back.
0: Well, Kelly, in the last minute we have here, so did you do anything particular with the women uh, there while you were there?
2: Um, yeah. I. I found that having kids really opened up a lot of doors and being able to just share Jesus's love and recognizing that a lot of the spiritual nurture of the house and particularly kids comes from the moms. And so just being able to build relationships there and share the gospel through um, just normal everyday life situations. And they
0: accepted you pretty well?
2: Yes, they did. Especially once I figured out how to dress and, you know, yeah. cook a bit better. <laughs> they and,
0: and you guys were like, would you say there wasn't many whites where you were at? No, I mean, in
1: the, the town next to the village we lived in had about 40,000 people, and and at the very most, there were about eight Westerners that lived there, oh but the majority of the time, there was only two or four people.
0: Wow, so, so you guys a, stuck out us. like a sore thumb. They,
1: we were noticed. Yeah, yes. okay.
0: <laughs> well, what a great ministry. I appreciate you guys being there with me. Time goes so fast. It's already gone again. And uh, hopefully down the line, we can connect again. But thank you. I'd love to. Thanks for having us. It's such a blessing. We love Boise, Idaho, and uh, love being able to be here. And we love these guys. I'm telling you what, they are on the ball, and they're people that really uh, God has used. So be praying for Ben and Kelly Shuler as they continue their journey to touch lives. Lord bless you, folks. Have a great day. LifePoint is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast,